Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for a chance to be in your house and to worship you. Thank you for your incredible love. And Lord, this time of year we remember how you, you walked down that road carrying that cross. And how you were willing to die for us. And Lord, we believe and we know that no one loves us that much. And so this morning we pray that as we worship you and as we get to know you better, that your spirit would come and would speak to us, would challenge us, would lift us up, would draw us close to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've brought us here. Thank you for being here with us. And Lord, we give you the praise for you are our king and our savior and our God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'd like to call your attention to Luke chapter 22. We're going to be looking at verses 54 to 62. Um, We've kind of been jumping around in the story. I don't know if you've noticed that through Lent. That's if you remember what was said last week. (laughs) Just to, you know, some of you do, I know. Um, And and as we come to this morning's uh, scripture, um, Judas has betrayed Jesus, and Jesus is there, and... um, and, you know, he, he's experienced that, that whole process where all the disciples flee um, and leave him alone. And, and although in some ways I'm sure that was a lonely moment, in other ways it, it reminded him of that scripture that, that, that the, the word of God says that none of his would be taken that they would all be rest or saved. And certainly he was in that process of doing that. And it's just another example of Jesus making sure that his disciples were okay. There were two disciples, however, that, that kind of hung out and found their way into the courtyard. And the one we know best, of course, is Peter. The other one, we don't really know who it was. Um, but this morning we're going to talk about Peter and what happened in the courtyard, beginning with verse 20, uh, 54. Then seizing him, that's Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. But when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. Woman, uh, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. May God add God's blessing to the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. Almighty God, you are so good to us. We come before you because there are times when we, um, when we fail. And there are times when we are just all worn out. And there are times when we look around us and, and see all that's happening in our world and we just want to throw up our hands and give up. And we thank you this morning that you looked at us and never gave up. 
And Lord, we know there are some here this morning who don't have a relationship with you, and we just pray that you touch their hearts this morning, uh, that they would seek your face and seek to know you. Thank you, Lord, for coming to get, let us know you. Uh, speak to us this morning. I ask, Father, that you would speak through me, though I'm unworthy, except by your incredible grace. And so we celebrate your love and your forgiveness, and we ask that you would transform us this morning by your word and by your love. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We've been, we've been talking uh, during Lent about crossroads and uh, those times when we, we are forced to make a decision, when we come to a, a, a fork in the road. And, and you know, sometimes we, we have two choices. And I picked this picture because there are actually three roads to choose from. And, and sometimes that's the way it works, right? Uh, and so this morning, as, as we're thinking about um, these, these crossroads that we face, the crossroad I want you to think about this morning is that moment when you have to decide. And, and there are three decisions here. First of all, you have to decide if you're going to say something or not. So that's the first decision, right? Uh, you have to decide, am I actually going to say something or not? Um, that's an important decision, right? Uh, because uh, Ecclesiastes makes it clear to us, right, that there's a time to speak and there's a time to be silent. Or better yet, Ecclesiastes, the writer, was incredibly intelligent and he said it the way that is probably more important for us. There is a time to be silent, and there's a time to speak. Uh, my guess is that many of us have the tendency to speak too soon. I, I heard a preacher one time say that, you know, Job's friends sat with him uh, in the midst of his struggle for 40 days um, and still spoke too soon. And if you listen to what they say, it, it makes all kinds of sense. Um, there's a time to be silent. But there is that moment where we have to decide to speak. And then we have to be careful, right? Because what you say becomes the next decision. And that's just as important a decision. The psalmist knew that. The psalmist said, may the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart. In other words, the psalmist wanted to make sure that whatever he or she said was a, a part of what God would have them say. So they wanted their words to be pleasing unto the Lord. Oh, that's an important point. Uh, you could go home now. No, please don't. <laughs> uh, but you could go home now because that's an important point to remember. Uh, what do your words say? James, James was just as uh, concerned about this. He said, those who consider themselves religious and you yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is, did you catch this? Their religion is worthless. Wow. James always hits hard, but it's the truth. Uh, I often look at what people say and, and, uh, on, uh, in writing. I, I'm not a writer, and I'm not good at writing, and so I struggle with that. If you read my newsletter, God bless you. If you skip it, I understand. Um, sometimes I get done, and I think, does this really make any sense? Um, but... The words people write and the words people say are very, very important. The words we write and the words we say are very, very important. So the decision isn't just do I speak or do I not speak. The decision is when I speak, what do I say? Are my words pleasing unto the Lord? One of the things to me that's pretty amazing about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is even in these last few days of his life, did you notice there were sometimes he doesn't say anything? 
and speaks very loudly. (laughs) And there are other times when he says just a word or two. And the challenge is almost overwhelming. If only we would be as clear with our words and with our silence. When we come to that crossroads, how do we decide what we should say? How do we decide what we should declare? Well, here's Peter. Peter finds himself at that crossroads, doesn't he? He has no choice. He has been recognized. And I want you to understand Peter's conundrum. Because you see, Peter is sitting in the courtyard. And I know the scripture says that we read this morning in Luke that they were in Annas' house. But you have to understand the house included the courtyard. So, and the courtyard connected both Annas' house and Caiaphas' house. Now if you read the Gospel of John, you'll find out that Jesus is first tried before Annas because people believed Annas was the right high priest. He was the father-in-law of Caiaphas. You with me? I don't want to get too much into the history, but I just want to make this clear. The people felt that Annas should still be high priest. The Roman government had decided that they didn't like Annas anymore, and they had put Caiaphas as the high priest. And so the people take Jesus, the, the soldiers and the religious leaders take Jesus to Annas first. And here Jesus is, and this courtyard connects Annas' house and Caiaphas' house. And my guess is that while Jesus is being tried by Annas, it's not actually inside the house proper, it's inside the courtyard. And here is, is the, um, the, probably the witnesses, by the way, uh, that will later testify against Jesus. Uh, some soldiers, there's obviously a servant girl, and they've built a fire in the courtyard to keep warm while the trial is going on. And my guess is it probably was even within earshot. Even if it's not, clearly there's an opportunity for Jesus to see what's happening at the fire. And Peter is very aware, listen carefully, Peter is very aware that to proclaim Jesus as his Lord, to proclaim Jesus or himself as a part with Jesus would cost him most likely his life. The, the, the sentence that they are going to, to uh, push upon Jesus would be the sentence that Peter would face. And it was clear where that was headed. So when Peter is affronted by this servant girl and by these other two, he has to make a decision. Am I going to stand with Jesus and face death or am I going to deny Jesus and perhaps save my life? Now I mentioned earlier that Jesus had recognized the passage in Zephaniah Uh, where the shepherd would be struck and the sheep would be scattered, but also that none of them would be harmed. And so even if Peter had stood for Jesus, perhaps, and I believe that according to the word of God, somehow Peter would have survived. But in the midst of that moment, do you get that? You see, because you and I can say, oh yeah, well, you know, he should have stood for Jesus because after all... But put yourself in Peter's shoes. You don't know. You have to take that by faith 
And so you assume, or you, we assume, that to stand up for Jesus may include death for Peter. You with me? Peter's in a tough spot. This is not an easy moment. Peter has to make a decision. He has to figure out what words he's going to use. And I want to suggest to you that we are going to find ourselves in just such a position. We think often in our minds that, well, yeah, that happened to Peter, but that will never happen to us. What we're discovering is there are places around the world today where that is happening. We have heard and we have even seen, if you cared to, uh, believers being affronted by the leaders and the soldiers of ISIS and being asked if they are with Jesus or if they aren't with Jesus. And if they say they're with Jesus, their head comes off. It's happening today. Now, so far in our country, we have a freedom that we can talk about Jesus. But be careful. Because is it not true that if you're a teacher and you begin talking about Jesus, what's going to happen? If you're a a medical personnel and you're working, say, for a hospital and you start to talk to a patient about Jesus, what's going to happen? If you work in a factory and you start pushing and sharing who Jesus is in your life with your co-workers, what will begin to happen? I'd like to say, they'd say, oh, that's wonderful, because we have this freedom in our country. But you and I both know that people are quickly offended by Jesus. And they're offended by Him, not because He loves them greatly and because He gave His life for them, but because He calls them To follow Him. And if you follow Him, that call then begins to change you. And everything we've been taught is that those changes will not feel good, will not be what you want. But we who have followed Jesus have begun to realize that those changes make life even more exciting. So how do we, when we get in these situations, how are we prepared to make our declaration for Jesus? How can we, unlike Peter, be ready for that moment when it comes our way? Well, let me suggest one thing right off. Uh, uh, Begin to, to, to recognize of whom you belong or to whom you belong. Uh, Decide now. To whom you're going to belong. Uh, You see, this was Peter's problem, right? Because they confronted him at a time when he didn't expect them to ask. And so he was still somewhat on the edge, on the bubble. We think of Peter. Peter's the one who's all the way with Jesus. But we discover that Peter is not all the way there yet. He has yet to decide uh, whom he's going to follow. And so when they come to him, this is what they ask him. This man was with him, right? Or you are one of them. Or like the last one said, certainly he was with him for he is a Galilean. They recognize Peter. 
as being with Jesus. That's a great thing. Oh, Peter, hey, this is a follower of Jesus. Oh, that the church at Greenfield Baptist would be full of people that the rest of the world would say, hey, look, that one, that one's with Jesus. This is a great moment, Peter. But Peter had yet to decide in his heart where he was going to land. Was he going to be with Jesus or not? You see, we need to decide that up front. Are we going to be one of Jesus's or aren't we? That's the first question we have to ask. And you see, you can't just come to church and be a follower of Jesus. Did you know that? You can come to church every Sunday and not be a follower of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, you can be involved in ministry and not be a follower of Jesus Christ. To be a follower of Jesus Christ means that you have decided that Jesus is going to be Lord of your life, that you're going to do what he calls you to do and that you're going to follow him and that when others ask you, are you a follower of Jesus, your immediate answer would be yes, no matter what the price, no matter what the cost. You see, you have to decide whether you want to fit in with everybody else or whether you're truly going to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And it's going to set you apart. Now, the struggle I have with that is that many of us think that that's going to set us apart because um, we don't do this and we don't do that and we don't do the other thing, right? Um, So the world's going to see I'm a follower of Jesus Christ because I don't swear at work and I don't... um, I don't do uh, drugs, and I don't do, uh, well, (laughs) this may sound funny, but uh, when I was in college, um, the college next to us had all these rules. It was a Christian college. Well, so was Calvin, but it was a real Christian college. And um, it, (laughs) it had all these rules. And one of the rules was that you wouldn't go to movies. He wouldn't go to movies. And we had this lady that, that sat with us at lunch. She was a commuter to Calvin. And she started taking classes at this other school. I said, how are you doing that? I said, first of all, I knew she smoked. And it said, you won't smoke. And, and I knew that, that uh, she liked to play cards. And it said, you won't play cards. And I knew she went to movies. And, and it said, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go to movies. And I said, how do, you do, how do they let you go to this school? There's all these rules. She said, oh, simple. When I got the application, I just crossed them all out and signed it. I said, really? And it worked. Yeah. So I guess they don't check that. And somehow we have this mindset that, that being a Christian means you don't do this, don't do that, and don't do the other thing. Let me open you up a minute and suggest something very different. You see, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that doesn't mean you won't do certain things. What that means is that you will do other things. For instance, you will love people unconditionally if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you will allow the Spirit of God to work in and through you to reach out to those who are in need, to those who are afraid, to those who have um, issues in their lives that no one else dares to go see because the love of Christ is so powerful in your heart and in your life. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, what has happened is Christ has changed your heart and when you look at other people, you don't look at them as the enemy, you look at them as someone God loved and Christ died for. 
It's not a bunch of rules of what you can't do. It's a bunch of rules about what you will do because of the love of Christ in your life. We had a chance to celebrate uh, Jenny Brown uh, on, on um, yesterday. Was that yesterday? Friday, Friday. I get, I've lost track of days this week. Um, and it was so much fun to share as I looked at Jenny's life and realized that she was living out being a follower of Jesus Christ. And I learned things I didn't know about Jenny. Um, Jen, I knew Jenny had a giving heart, um, but I, I learned that she gave to some people who may not have accepted that um, in a way that we wouldn't necessarily think is appropriate. In other words, there were people she knew who needed money that she gave money to. And some people would say, oh, don't give them any money. They'll just go blow it. To Jenny, that wasn't the issue. She was called by God to give. And so that's what she did. To me, that's awesome. I, 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 you know, Dan and I, in this job, we get a lot of people coming and asking for money. And, and you start to get jaded after a while, you know. Um, there's one person that calls fairly frequently. Um, they, they have 100 relatives, um, and all of them are dying at some point. And they need money just to get to their relative. And what's amazing to me is that they, they must live in this area, but they tell me they don't. They, they need to get back to where they live. Um, but I see them over and over again. (laughs) I know they're lying to me. I don't want to give them money because they're lying to me. How dare they lie to me? Jenny Brown said, you need money? Here's money. Wow. Jesus offered his love to people that would reject him, that would turn their backs on him, that would treat him uh, with not just disrespect, they would take him and they would, they would actually nail him to a cross. And while he's on the cross, his words are, Father, forgive them. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this is what you begin to see in your life. And you say, wow, that, I don't know if I want to be a part of that. Well, I've got to tell you something. There's something awesome when the person does receive that love and begins to find the love and the joy that Jesus has to offer. If you know you're one of Jesus's, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you see, then to declare him begins to get easier even in the face of the most difficult situations. And it's got to start from within. Matthew says, um, the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. Come from the heart. So when you look at Peter, and Peter is not yet willing to say, I'm with Jesus, i got to ask you this question. Are you ready to say, I'm with Jesus? One of the exciting things to me about baptism is that's one of the things you're saying. I'm with Jesus. I'm one of his. You see, that's why we don't baptize babies, because they don't know that yet. When they get old enough to decide for themselves, then we want them to know this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. If this is what you want to do, then come and let us baptize you. Tell the world. And we put them in the water and, and we, we take you and we put you in the water and we put you under the water. And some people have a hard time with that and I get that. And some people aren't sure that the pastor is going to let them up. But I always have, up till now, I always have. And we put them under the water. And some people say, well, why do you do that? You know, some, some churches just throw some water on their head and that's, that's good. Um, but we do that because we want to show the world 
that this person believes that though they die, yet shall they live. Jenny Brown believed that. And last Sunday, while we were in worship, she was going to glory. Oh, man. That's awesome. And she had followed her Lord in baptism. I, I just got to ask you, uh, are you with him? Are you with him? Have you decided? Because someday somebody's going to ask you. And I want you to be ready to answer. Uh, so uh, we got to know to whom we belong. The, the second thing that would really help us um, is to keep looking at the eyes of Jesus. Um, you, you ever notice some people can talk with their eyes? Um, I, there are comedians that just really crack me up because their eyes do all kinds of wild things. You know, They don't even have to say anything. Their eyes are running around. You're going, wow, look at that. Uh, people can talk with their eyes. It's amazing how the eyes speak pretty loudly. When I was a kid, um, I, I told the, the um, council, the church council this story, but when I was a kid, um, my parents were both in the choir in church on Sunday morning. And um, we had to sit in the front row because it was closer to the choir. And the choir loft was kind of on the side. That's why I'm pointing over there. And, and so we, one Sunday... Um, me and my buddies uh, were, well, we were having a good time. You know, it was worship. Uh, we had no clue what was going on in worship, but we were having a great time. And I guess we had a little bit too much fun because at one point the pastor stopped in the middle of his sermon, which, by the way, was live on radio, and said, Deacon, and I don't remember which deacon it was, but Deacon so-and-so, would you please come sit up with these young men in the front row? Upon which sheer terror struck me. And that wouldn't have been bad enough. And the deacon was very kind and just sat with us. But my dad was in the choir. And I know for a fact that there wasn't a moment from there until the end of worship that his eyes were anywhere else but on me. And that was not fun. <laughs> and after worship, uh, we had a little, um, how can I say this? Uh, a, little, uh, a little confrontation, shall we say. And uh, I, I can tell you this, I never was unruly enough to have a deacon come and sit with me ever again. But my dad's eyes were fixed on me. And I can't imagine what happened to Peter when he looked up and he saw Jesus. Just having said for the third time, I have nothing to do with that man. And Jesus looks over. I wonder what he looked like. Did he just look hurt? As I think of all the things I know about Jesus... My guess is Jesus' look was a look of, of grace and mercy. But there's nothing worse, is there? Than when you have hurt someone else 
And they look at you. And they look at you with love. And you know how ugly what you just did was. The sad part is, this is the way I want this story to go. I'd love to rewrite this story. I can't, obviously, because it's the Word of God. But if I could rewrite the story, let me tell you how this would end. Peter would look at Jesus. Jesus would look at him with that incredible love. And Peter, rather than just melting and walking away, Peter would stand up in that group and say as loud as he could, I lied. Yes, I am with him. He's mine. He's one of mine. He had that chance. He had a second chance. Jesus, even there in the courtyard, gives him another chance. And Peter, rather than accepting that chance, is surrounded by guilt. And guilt is a horrible thing. Guilt keeps us from being all that we can be in Christ Jesus. Guilt comes upon us and says, you can't. You can't. You're not good enough. But Jesus came specifically to say, you are Good enough for me because I love you. And he takes that guilt away. You remember Simon Peter when when he was with Jesus and when it was just him and the disciples. He was the one who stood up and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Oh, if he could have at that moment in that courtyard stood up and said, I want you to know he's mine. He's the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He's sitting there with all those false witnesses who later would go and testify that Jesus had said things he never said. And and the scripture says their testimony would, would contradict one another and it would be a farce. Oh, that Peter had stood up and said, I just want you to know, he's the Messiah. You see, our world is busy telling you that you're not good enough to stand up for Jesus. That you have to be perfect to stand up for Jesus. I want you to know just the opposite is true. Being imperfect gives you the opportunity to say, Jesus died for me and forgave me and he wants to do the same for you. He's the Messiah, the son of the living God. The world will try to hold you down with guilt. Actually, there are some churches, by the way, that will try to hold you down with guilt. But I believe so strongly in the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and I believe in it so strongly because he gave his life to offer forgiveness. That if you should accept that forgiveness, He will remove that guilt from you. Some of you are followers of Jesus Christ and you're walking around with guilt because you did something many years ago that you know uh, God was not pleased with. The Scripture says if you confess with your mouth Jesus Christ is Lord. That's not what I wanted to say. If you confess your sin, That's what I wanted to say. He is faithful and just and will forgive you your sin. Faithful, by the way, and just and will forgive you your sin and cleanse you from, and here's the best word, it's three letters. You ready? From all, all unrighteousness. In other words, our Lord Jesus died for everything you've ever done wrong and everything you ever will do wrong. And if you put your trust in Him, you can throw off that guilt and live filled with love and grace knowing that if He forgave you, He can forgive those others. Now here's the next clue to that, right? If, he's, if He can forgive those others, then can't you? If He forgave you, can't you forgive them? Oh, it's easy to accept the forgiveness of Jesus sometimes. It's hard 
to share that forgiveness with others. If you really want to declare Jesus, if you really want to be a part of that process that shares his love and his grace, then you need to let go of those things that are holding you back and realize that he has given you a gift of forgiveness and love. And then you need to share that with others. He starts on the inside. It's got to start within you. You've got to let go of those things. If he really died for all those things, do not your sin, does not your sin, is not your sin included in those three letters? Jesus died for you because he loves you. And he forgives you. Take that and share that with everybody. So if you want to declare you need to know to whom you belong, you need to look into the eyes of that one who loves you and forgives you. And then lastly, I would encourage you to remember his words. And we don't have a whole lot of time, but um, Jesus had warned Peter. You remember that? Jesus had said, Peter, uh, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Do you remember what Peter said? This is what I like about Peter. Peter's like, well, Lord, if everybody else does, I won't. (laughs) That might be true for everybody else, but not for me. Uh, I love this because this is exactly how we frequently approach the Word of God. Because God speaks. God continues to warn us. God continues to give us insight into what would be best in life for us. And we read it and we say, oh, that would be true for everybody else, God, but certainly not for me. And God wants you to hear his words, remember his words. Uh, Peter, Peter had a reminder, uh, the rooster, and the rooster crowed. Um, I was going to try to crow for you, but I'm not real good at it. I just want to remind you to listen to God's word. Because if you really want to be able to declare him, if you really want to be able to declare him, you have to listen to his word. Which tells us, by the way, that we all need to be forgiven. That we all have fallen short. But that he offers forgiveness to all of us. If we really want to hear his word, and we need to hear his word, then we need to realize that we will be challenged at some point to speak. And we'll need to be prepared. And lastly, When we are challenged to speak, he tells us that if we put our trust in him, he will give us his words to speak. And the neat thing is, those words are words of life. Words that transform not just us, and they're not just words for us, they're words for everyone. And we are given the responsibility, and not just the responsibility, the opportunity, and not just the opportunity. We are given the privilege to share the wonderful words of life. Jesus said, the Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and of life. Our world today is trying to get people to believe that the Word of God is full of of don't do this, don't do that, and God is just trying to limit who you are. And that's just a bold-faced lie. Jesus is trying to help us see how we could live life and live it to the full. 
And his words give us that opportunity. Are you ready to declare? Do you know to whom you belong? Do you look into the eyes of Jesus? And do you remember his words? Because I want you to hear very carefully. You, as a follower of Jesus, are a child of God. And Jesus offers forgiveness through you and to you. And he's going to speak his words when you come to that crossroads. And you have to decide. My prayer is that we will be ready to proclaim Jesus as Lord. Let's bow forward to prayer. Lord Jesus, there are some here this morning who need to know you. Um, and maybe they, they've sat and listened and, and they've heard about life and they've looked at their life and they said, boy, I, they'd really like more to life. And we pray this morning, Lord Jesus, that uh, they would realize that you have so much awesomeness to, to offer their lives. And you love them very much. And if they would put their trust in you, they would never go without love ever again. And all the things they've ever done wrong would be forgiven. And, and you would step into their lives and begin to direct them. And they would be able to, to share love with others freely. And they would have self-confidence and, and grace and mercy and, and all those wonderful gifts you've offered us. And we pray this morning, Lord, that they would hear you declared and that they would say yes to you and father we pray that you would fill us with all those gifts and that you would use us that we would truly be ready to say this morning that we are yours and if not that you would open our hearts that we would be prepared to do so we pray this morning lord jesus that you would come and uh, begin to uh, help us to see you more clearly uh, that we might respond more like you and we pray father that your words would fill our hearts that we would share your words everywhere we go. Thank you for that great opportunity. Uh, thank you for the blessings you've given us. Uh, thank you, Lord, that even though it may cost us our lives, uh, we have eternal life in you, and we can declare you this day and forever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.